Today we're in the second part of a series called Baggage. And last week I started this series off by talking about how we are just not designed to walk through life carrying baggage, carrying things that God never intended us to carry. And how in Jesus' teaching, he told people, if you're having difficulty going through life with baggage, if you've got burdens on your shoulders that you just can no longer bear, bring them to me. Jesus invited people and still invites people to bring their burdens, bring their baggage to him. And he says, I'll take it. I'll take it off your backs. I'll take it off your shoulders. And I'll carry it for you. Because the things I give you to carry are light. The burden I give you is easy. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and run the race with perseverance. Life is, is a marathon. Life starts here and hopefully for everybody ends way over here and it's meant to be run at a pace we can survive. It's meant not to be run as a sprint, not to go as fast as we can, as much as we can, all we can. It's meant to be run with perseverance. It's meant to be a marathon. Today's message is about addictions. How many lives are affected and how many lives are lived in a way that God never intended because of addictions? Because we allow things in our life, on our backs, to affect us in ways God never intended. You know, addictions start with bad habits. We start with something that may not be bad by itself, but it becomes a habit and then it becomes an addiction. Today, I hope you can find the strength to begin to release your addiction. It's time to let it go. You know, I doubt anybody has ever said, I really want to be addicted to alcohol. I really want to take my first drink and that lead to the second and the third and the fourth until I am so totally addicted to this, it affects my life in every way. It affects my relationship with my kids, with my spouse. It affects my job. It affects the way I think, the way I interact with friends. And I just want to be addicted to alcohol. I don't think anybody ever takes their first drink thinking, I want to be an addict. I want to be an alcoholic. I don't think that's the way addiction starts. But the way it starts is with abuse. Not just one or two drinks, but with continual habitual abuse. I don't think anybody ever says when they buy a lottery ticket or play a little Texas Hold'em or whatever it is that you play, I don't think they ever say, you know, I really want to destroy my life with gambling. I think it's ironic. In a state I was driving through recently, it had one billboard was a billboard for a casino and the next one was a billboard for Gamblers Anonymous. I don't think anybody starts gambling thinking, I'm going to be addicted to this. I'm going to let this rule my life. I don't think anybody comes home with a prescription and thinks, you know, once I get past this pain, I got to have more of these. 
I got to go back to the doctor and I got to get some more and I got to get on the internet and get them or I got to somehow get a hold of more of these because they make my life better. This little thing in this bottle, what's in here makes my life better. I don't think anybody ever starts out thinking, I want to be addicted to prescription drugs. But still millions and millions of people suffer from that very addiction. Your cabinet might be full of them, ones you've gotten legitimately and ones you've gotten illegally, but you're still saying, I've got to have these for my life to be better. And nobody realizes where it's going to go when that bad habit turns into an addiction. I don't think anybody, the first time they open up an inappropriate email or type the letters X, X, X into their computer, desire to get addicted to internet pornography. I just don't think, I don't think you start out that way. It's just a little look. It's just a little drink. It's just a game. It's, it's just one extra bottle, one more day, then I'll stop, and then it'll all be okay. I don't think it works like that. Because these things, which none are bad by themselves, when they turn into a bad habit and move over to an addiction, you've got weight on you you were never meant to carry. Now, I realize by going through these things that some people can be addicted to, I've created three groups of people. I create the group that is group number one that's in denial, saying, I don't have a problem with that. I have no problem with that. I can stop when I want to. I can turn the prescription in when I want to. I can get rid of it. I can, I can delete that off my computer when I want to. I can stop drinking when I want to. And you are in total, complete denial. Then there's group number two that when you hear me talk about that, you think, wow, that, that hit home. I, I do have a problem with that. I, I do have issues. I, I do have something going on in my life that I need to release. And then there's group number three that says, those don't hold any allure for me. I don't, I don't really enjoy any of those things. I don't, I don't, you know, I would never be addicted to those. You're sitting there thinking that, and, that, and then you're thinking, I wonder what I could have for lunch today. This sermon must not be for me because he's talking about things that don't affect me. So, honey, where do you want to go lunch? Just in case you're in this group and you're thinking those don't affect me, I have some others to talk to you about. This might look familiar to some of you ladies, maybe some of you men. Coming home, carrying your work, bringing your work home, being addicted to work, finding your value in your profession, finding your value in your work, getting your worth from your work and working hours upon hours upon hours. And before you know it, you're addicted to work. And this addiction can bring just as much harm to a family as all of those. Now, the culture doesn't think that. The culture's like, you know, hey, if you work a lot of hours, you're better than other people. But this addiction can bring just as much harm and just as much heartache and destroy just as many relationships as those. So it's pretty serious if you're addicted to work. Some people are addicted to this. And you find your comfort, you find your way out, you find your way to cope with what's going on by purchasing, by buying and buying and buying, and something goes wrong, so you go purchase. You're feeling a little down, so you go purchase. It's raining today, let's go to the mall. So you go and purchase. There's nothing wrong with purchasing, but it can become and has become for millions of people an addiction. Some people are addicted to this. 
not going to the dentist. Gossip. Just yak, yak, yak all the time. And you just can't stop talking about people. And you find comfort in picking up the phone and saying, did you hear this? Oh, man, did you know that? Did you see? Did you? And it's just talk, talk, talk. You're addicted to gossip. Some people addicted to their bodies, addicted to the way they look, obsessed about the way you appear to other people. Some people deal with that addiction. Some people addicted to food where you find comfort in eating things eating food and your your weight goes up and your weight goes down and your emotions go up and your emotions go down and you find a lot of comfort in eating. I think I've about covered every addiction that somebody in here could be dealing with. So what is an addiction? An addiction is the condition of being habitually or compulsively occupied with or involved in something. Does the Bible have anything to say to us about our addictions? It does. Second Peter 2 verse 19 says, For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And the question you need to ask yourself today is, what has mastered me? How do you know if something's mastered you or not? How do you know if you're dealing with an addiction, you're dealing with something mastering you, something over your life? If more than one person has said, you have a problem with blank, then you probably are in a situation where something is beginning to master you. What in your life has power over you? Now, I know at this point, I've talked about these addictions. All of you are thinking of somebody else. You're thinking of that person you know that has one of those addictions, but that's not what this message is about. It's about you and the things that you deal with, and the bad habits in your life, and the things that are in your life that are beginning to master you. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul, the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was corresponding with this church. And people of this church in the town of Corinth, they were asking him questions, and they were telling him what they were doing, and they were doing some pretty bizarre stuff in worship. I mean, they were even bringing sex into worship. And and they said to him in chapter 6, verse 12, everything is permissible, everything. So their slogan was, everything's permissible for me. And he said back to them, I will not be mastered by anything. Everything's permissible, but I'm not going to be mastered by anything. He refused to let anything be his master. And Things are permissible in proper context. Food in its proper context, great. Isn't it great to head out to the Outback or the Angus Barn and have that nice, thick, juicy, tender... Isn't that wonderful? But when it comes out of that context and becomes an addiction, then food has become something God never intended for it to be. Sex in its context is wonderful. In its context, in the context uh, uh, between a man and a woman in a marriage, that's how God designed sex. And in that context, it is a wonderful thing. But when it becomes something that takes place on a video, on a computer screen, it has moved way outside of the bounds that God has for it. Shopping is also fun. 
Shopping is enjoyable, but when it becomes an addiction, when it rules your life, it's way outside of what God designed. Prescription drugs make our lives better. It's great to go and get pain relief when you have pain. It's great to go and get antibiotics when you have infection. But these are only okay and beneficial in a certain context, within certain bounds. Work is wonderful. Some of you work a little and some of you work a lot. Some of you make a little money. Some of you make a lot of money. And work is okay to do all those things with. If God's blessed you and and brought material things your way, wonderful. But work has never been something designed by God to rule our lives. Work has never been something that God gives us just completely rule our lives and ruin our families. Work has to stay in its proper context. So what if those things for you are out of context? Quit. Just quit. Don't do it. You you mean just throw away the prescription? Yeah, throw it away. Quit my job? Yeah. If you're addicted to work, quit. Now, that doesn't mean tomorrow morning, you know, go and be irresponsible, but it means quit. Start taking the steps to help you get past what controls you and what masters you. What's mastering you today? It's a question I hope everybody answers. Now, I'm not naive enough to think in a 30-minute message that I will be able to say, if this masters you, do this, and then you'll be free from it. It took you a long time to get into the addiction, get into the bad habit, and it's going to take a long time, and it's a process, it's a journey to get out. It's not a snap your finger and it's all okay. It takes time. Any recovering addict can tell you it's not easy to get out, but they can also talk to you about the pain of getting in and what it costs them. Lord, I'm tired. So tired from walking. And Lord, I'm so recovering addict. Um, I abused drugs and alcohol for over 20 years. Being addicted to work and being a workaholic doesn't start out that way. And uh, along the way, there were some signs um, that I didn't even recognize. And like other addicts, probably didn't recognize that what was really going on at the time. Uh, I was alone. I was isolating myself. I felt desperate. Um, I can think of a time in particular where uh, I was home from uh, traveling for a long time. I'd been traveling quite a bit. I was home, and my son toddled into the bedroom and said, who's that? And it just hit me that I had been working so hard and gone so much that he really didn't know who I was. And so I would change. And like other addicts, I would think that I had corrected the problem. I would change for a while, and I would give up working so hard, and I would stop. In the time of my addiction, when I was really just paying attention to work, I was giving my family material support rather than emotional support, rather than time. I was just giving them things. In the end, um, it cost me 
my family. It cost me my family. It cost me my family. Um, as a result of my addiction, I had pushed my family away to the point that I was separated. Uh, I had put up walls to the point that I um, had, had no real friends. You know, and it was at, at that point that I finally realized that, that I was unable to control my own addiction. Um, I, had, I had tried to quit numerous times on my own with, with no success. You know, workaholism is one of those things that's different than some of the other addictions that you'll find in the world. Uh, society as a whole rewards workaholics. Uh, I tried um, numerous times to quit on my own and um, was unsuccessful. I, I finally realized that um, addiction was simply more powerful than I was by myself. I, I had to turn it over. I turned it over to God. Much. And having that out-of-balance life has a big price tag and helped change the way I look at, at life and the way I look at work. And, um, and I finally turned it over. I turned it over to God. I turned it over to a 12-step support group. And um, at that point, my life finally started to, to turn around and, and change for the better. It's been, it's been over 19 months now since I've used you know, drugs or alcohol in any form. And um, I, can't, I can't begin to describe how much better and different my life is today. It's my relationship with my kids right now is, is 100 times better than it was while I was in active addiction. Um, I'm able to start building meaningful friendships. If I could give any, any suggestion to, to an addict that's in inactive addiction right now, um, it would be simply to talk to somebody and um, turn it over to God and, 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 trust, and trust that things will get better. And there, there is hope. There's hope that, that any addict can recover and find a better way to live. But you, you have to take the first step on your own and reach out. I don't work as many hours as I did. And if that means that, that I don't you know, get raises, I don't get promotions, or I get laid off, then I just rely on God to, to take care of me. And I know that he will, and he has so far. I am. I'm just relying on him to help me through it. Now is the time to let go. To whatever the habits are, whatever the addiction is that's in your life, it's time to let go. You can do that today. You can take that first step, taking on my addictions. How can we do that? What are some just a few quick steps I can give you here in just a couple of minutes to help start that journey? The first thing is take inventory. 
take an inventory of my life and think, what is it that is controlling me? What is it that people continue to tell me is a problem in my life? Because it starts in our minds. The decision to start or stop has to start up here. When my stress level is up, my guard is down. So if there's stress in my marriage, if there's stress in my job, if there's stress in my family, then all of a sudden my my guard is let down and let's say our marriage is not going well. Let's say you and your wife, you and your husband are, are dealing with issues in life. You're dealing with issues in the bedroom. You're dealing with intimacy problems. So you're sitting in front of the computer and you think, you know, I, I deserve some satisfaction. I deserve to be able to experience this part of life. And so you go down the road of being addicted to internet pornography, or I just need to escape. These things help me so much. I just need to escape. Or, you know, if I just can go and purchase and do a little shopping, then things are going to be okay. When our stress level is up, our guard is down. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What do I need to master before it masters me? The second one, take it to God. If I'm going to take on my addictions, I've got to take it to God. You need a higher power to quit. You haven't been able to do it on your own or you would have. So you need something bigger, something greater, because it's just too big, too much to conquer on your own. In the Old Testament, there was a little boy named David. And here's this little boy, David, and here's this huge giant named Goliath. And David wants to kill Goliath because Goliath is taunting God's army, the Israelites. And so David looks at this huge giant and says, I can take him. This giant that all these soldiers were scared to death of, an entire army wouldn't go out to meet him. But little David said, I can defeat this giant. And the reason he knew that he could defeat him is because David knew the power that exists in looking to God and saying, God, I can't do this alone. God, I need help from you if I'm ever going to get through this. And David could remember back when he killed a lion, when he killed a bear. And when he had those memories, he said, God delivered me. God helped me. So if God helped me with those things, he's going to help me defeat this giant. And David did. David killed Goliath with God's help. If you're addicted, you've got a giant in your life today. There's a giant that may look so big and you think, I can't do it. And you can't on your own, but with God's help, with God's spirit, you can. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that word power, way, way back in the original language, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. That word power is where we get our word dynamite. So we have something, we possess something, we can get something with God that is so explosive that it will destroy and explode the addictions in our lives. But only by looking and saying, God, this is bigger than me. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I'm taking this to you because I know that I can explode it. I know that I can get this 
out of my life. Whether your addiction is on this table, which are kind of the biggies that the people think, or your addiction is over here, which still affects lives, which still destroy lives. No matter what table your addiction is on today, you can go to God and say, God, help me with my eating problem. God, help me with my shopping problem. God, help me not be addicted to work. Help me not destroy the relationship with my kids just to work. God, help me. The next thing we can do is take it public. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We were not designed to go through life alone. And if we're ever going to get over an addiction, we have to take it public. We have to take it to somebody else to say, help me with this. And you might be that person that somebody comes to you and says, help me with this. And what they need at that point is understanding, not condemnation. Take it public. Talk to somebody about it. What should you ask this person that you go to? You should ask them three main things. Help me with prayer. Pray for me. Pray for my addiction. Pray that God helps me conquer it. You should also ask them, help me when I fall. Because I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. And I need you to help me. And I need you to be there and be my friend when I fall. And the last and probably one of the most important is help me with accountability. Check up on me. Install some software on my computer. Ask me how many hours I work this week, how many hours I play with my kids. Ask me if I'm still going back to the pharmacist to get one more prescription. Ask me if I've had a drink. Hold me accountable to this desire of mine to release this addiction that's ruling my life. And the last thing to help you get on a road, on a path, and start your journey to recovery is take the first step. I begin today's message by, by saying, what is mastering you? What is it that's, that's, that's in your life that's mastering you? Acknowledge it. Take inventory of your life and identify the thing or things that are beginning to master you. Take that to God and say, God, this is a giant that I cannot defeat in my life. Take it, to, take it public. Take it to a friend. Confess it. Ask someone to help you with it. And then take that first step and begin that journey of walking down the road to recovery. Any adults in here like cartoons? I love cartoons. Remember this cartoon character? Remember Popeye? Wasn't he cool? Who was a quiz? Here you go. Quick quiz. Who was Popeye's girlfriend? Olive oil. Very good. Who was Popeye's arch enemy? Brutus. And Brutus was all the time trying to steal this beautiful woman, olive oil. This woman who had captured all of Popeye's attention, all of Popeye's affection. Brutus was all the time trying to get her and he would steal her away, physically grab her and take her on a ship or take her up on a mountain or take her somewhere. And then Popeye would get angry. You remember that? What did he do when he got angry? Yeah, he pulled out that spinach. And, and most of the time he said this, when he would pull out that spinach, he would say, I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Do you remember that? I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. I hope today 
as I've talked about addiction, as I've talked about that baggage that just weighs us down of addiction, that you have a Popeye moment and you think, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. When you sit down at your computer alone, knowing how to erase every track you make before you even sit down, I hope you have a Popeye moment and say, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. I hope before you begin to abuse alcohol over and over and over, before you pop that top, mix that drink, and take it, you think, I've had all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. And before... You, can, you just continue to deal with self-esteem issues and the way you look and, and you're looking in the mirror beating yourself up again. You say, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. Before you start to deal with an addiction that's weighing you down, that's mastering you, you say, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. So leave here today and take that step. Take the step with your addiction. Take the step and say, I'm going to go get that stash I've got hidden that nobody knows about so I can smoke it or drink it whenever I want and I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to get on my computer and I'm going to ask a friend, a spouse to say, I'm going to say to them, get the software to me that can filter what I do and only you'll know the password and and I'm going to take a step to destroying and exploding this addiction in my life. Take your credit cards and just cut them up and say, I'm not going to be saddled with debt and being addicted to purchasing things to make me feel better. Say to yourself, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. God wants to deliver us from our addiction. Like I started out saying, Jesus said, bring it to me, bring it to me and I'll remove it from you. Jesus desires to rescue you. He desires to rescue you from your addiction and your pain and your shame. You have an opportunity today to talk to somebody, to go over in the theater too. Come talk to me. Whatever works for you, take that step.